Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Last week, you guys started this new series on what did he say? Um, and and it, it's good. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm working on this. this I'm doing something kind of community involvement deal. I, I'm, I'm working on a nominating committee for, you know, Josh's references are all soccer, mine are bowling. Okay, sorry. So, so I'm working on this committee to help form a, a joint uh, board for, for bowling in, in the city. And I'm doing interviews with nominating, nominations and all that stuff. And so one of the comments that came out is our current men's board, um, none of them can hear and they can't use email. And so <laughs> I sort of, sort of laughed about it and I'm like, well, that, that's awful because the only way you guys really can communicate then is by sign language, only if you all know sign language and then that's a problem too. So how many times are you in a setting... And you thought you heard something correctly. But you lean over to somebody and go, what did he say? Like that happens in certain settings more often. But, but you, you hear something, you're like, what did he say? So, so sometimes you're... Yeah. One of my children, I won't tell you who. Um, because three of them in the room, and so I, I, I won't tell you which one of them. But one of them, we, we lived in, in um, Illinois... And it's kind of funny because when we lived in Illinois, um, we experienced the, the only real tornado we've ever been in. Uh, like, we, Ansel and I were on the golf course, and the kids were at home with the babysitter, and, you know, that just narrowed it down to two. Sorry. Um, so anyway, um, we're, we try to get home after this tornado has gone through our neighborhood, and it was just F1. It wasn't anything major, but there are trees down, power lines. We can't get home. So anyway, we're driving out of there a few days later. There's trees down everywhere. And we're driving along. One of the funniest moments of our lives, really, is we're driving along, um, headed to church or something, and one of our kids from the back of the van says, this looks like hell. And we're like, what did he say? And we're actually laughing, okay, because here's why. Because in a, in a young kids' mind, trees thrown everywhere in destruction would be that. They wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't a weird, it was, it was just like, this is what I picture hell would look like. And so, so Angela had one of those moments of, what did he say? We're like, and then we're like laughing because we're like, well, it's sort of kind of funny. I mean, it's just kind of one of those deals. And so when you look at this, there's times in Jesus' ministry, as we read through we read through the pages of scriptures, we read through the gospels, he, he's going to say some things that we're like, what did he say? And it really is, for us, it's like, what does he mean? What did he mean by that? What, what was he trying to say? And we're going to look at one of those today, and you looked at that even last week, but the purpose of these one-liners really is for us to, to help us understand Jesus is one-liner, and to apply them into our lives, is to understand that one-liner. That one-liner sticks out, but all of a sudden, the question is, as we read, how do I apply this into my life? What is Jesus trying to teach me today? 
How can I be more like Jesus applying this that I'm reading? So in Matthew chapter 22, and, and understand that this, this parable that Jesus tells and this interaction is probably within the last week of his life. Um, it's, it's right there, and, and, and it probably has taken place a few days before he goes on trial himself. And Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 says, Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. Now, here's what happens, and, and this is probably what happens. Again, a parable is a, is a story, and he's telling a story to make a point. But it was normal in that culture, in that time frame, that people would have understood this, that the invitations had already, go, already gone out. There, there had been an invitation to a wedding feast. And, and this wedding feast was not a small event. It, it wasn't as we'd expect a, a, a reception after a wedding today. This is probably a week-long affair. Can you imagine planning a, a, a wedding reception that lasts a week? Could you imagine paying for a wedding reception that lasts a week? I mean, that's, you know, there's a couple of variables there that aren't good. What is the most important invitation that you have ever received in your life? I mean, like, have you ever gotten an invitation and you were like, oh, I'm so honored to get this? I mean, you know, we're working on invitations right now. Angela and I are, are, are you know, helping out with a couple different events that are coming. Um, one is graduation party for Matt and graduating from high school. Weird deal. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we have a wedding coming as well. And so we were helping work on a list of addresses for Mike and Abby's wedding and all those things. And so those are both big events, but they're nowhere near in comparison to what this, this wedding reception is for the king's son. I mean, there's no way it's the, uh, uh, that big of a deal. So the king has sent out these, these invitations, and they're more than save the date cards. I mean, it's more than just like, hey, save this date. We're, it was an invitation. In our world, invitations go out. We send out an invitation. People show up or they don't. Then they probably, for our benefit, they RSVP, and we're able to know, okay, this is, this is what's going on. And so we can plan food. It's easy to overlook here that it is the king who is the one who is inviting the people to his son's wedding feast. It's a very important fact. It's important to understand that people who are being invited should feel, feel privileged to be invited to the, to, to the king's son's wedding feast. I mean, it would be an amazing event. I mean, I can't imagine anything of that size and significance. I, I, I've never done anything like it, nor have I ever been invited to something like that. I would assume that the people would feel honored to be there. I mean, for another reason. It's free food, right? I mean... It's one of the perks, right? I mean, you're, you're going to walk over here and you're going to eat a little bit. And, and, and I know it's not free food because you all brought some and all those things. If you didn't bring it, hey, stick around. There'll be plenty. But um, it was normal for this first century. I mean, it was, it was just a normal event. So verse 3 goes on and says, When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. Okay, basically, probably is what happened here is the people have already responded to the invitations. They're like, yeah, we'll be there. So he sends out his servants to notify, and it would have been a normal thing. Once everything was ready, um, the host of the banquet would send people, messengers, to let everyone know that it's ready to go and you can now come. The king sends his servants, lets everybody know it's ready, but the crazy thing happens, they all refuse to come. Right? They, all, they all refuse to come. Not, not just some of them. No one wanted to go to the king's feast, and no one wanted to go. They, they didn't want to show up, and so just to make sure people understood, 
the king continues in, in verse 4. It says, so he sent other servant, servants to tell them. The feast had been prepared. The bulls and the fattened calf had been killed. And everything is ready. Come to the banquet. Like, just in case you didn't get the message. Just like, like we know, if we send an invitation to something, right? I mean, how many pieces of mail do you lose, right? They get in your house, out of the mailbox, but they don't ever make it to, like, where they're supposed to because you're like, Oh, I get a junk mail anyway. And then the one important thing you miss. And so he's just thinking, all right, if they missed it, we, we just send. And if they didn't quite understand everything's ready, we'll send more servants. But when they send more servants back, it's not any better. It gets worse. Verse 5, but the guests he'd invited ignored them and, and went their own way, one to the farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. Some simply say by their actions, we're too busy. We don't have time for this. We have more important things to do. Tend a, you know, overblown wedding feast for the king's son. Sort of what they're saying. Working and making money is, you know, supporting the family is important. But in this case, they, they feel it's more important than the king's banquet. It wasn't bad enough that they just ignore him and ignore the servants and the invitation. The invited guests go so far as to kill the servants. I've been invited to dinner many times. Never once have I thought the only way I'm getting out of this dinner invitation is to kill the people. Okay, never once did that cross my mind. I mean, I'm sure it hasn't yours either. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, now there's, if I invite you to a wedding, a, a, a feast at my house, you do need to ask one question. Who's cooking? Because if I'm cooking... You want to ignore the invitation. Because <laughs> you could die from my cooking. That's all there is to it. Like, at this point, you can understand that the king is slightly miffed. He's probably, well, he's, he's furious at this point, I'm sure. He, now, remember, Jesus is telling the story for a reason. And in this case, he was trying to get the people to understand what they were doing even to Jesus himself. Jesus is telling the story, but in many ways, he's telling a condensed version of the story of the Jewish people. He's telling the history of the Jewish people. God had sent servants into their world, into their kingdom, to warn the people, to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. They, they, have, been, they have constantly rejected the messengers from the king. They, 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 God has sent prophets, and they killed them. He's issued an invitation for the people. And they just weren't interested. They wanted to do their own thing. In verse 7, the king was furious. He sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. Yikes. <laughs> okay, don't come to dinner. I'm burning your town. Okay, that's a little extreme, isn't it? I mean, when you, start to, when you read this, you start to go, wait a minute, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what's going to happen to you, to your people, and to your city. They don't understand it, but they, he's saying, look, you're rejecting me. The temple's going down. The temple will be destroyed. It, it's going to happen. Forty years later, from about this event, about this time, it's about 30 AD, about 70 AD, boom, Jerusalem's, the temple's destroyed. But this also reflects the holiness of God. Eventually, there is judgment for those who refuse to listen to God. 
Sometimes there is judgment here on earth in the form of correction. Sometimes the judgment comes later at the end of our life. Either way, I'm not interested in being the receiving end of God's judgment. I, I, I don't want to be there. It's the way God is as well. Look, God will extend multiple invitations. We, we think, well, that's terrible. There's no reason for that. That's judgmental. But, but God is, he's given, well, in the case of the, the nation of Israel, he's given thousands of years of invitations, thousands of years of correction, thousands of years of help. He's tried to get them across. Look, God gives multiple invitations for people to come. God is much nicer than me most of the time. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not always, like, really mean, but I've got more mean in me than God. He doesn't have any, so I've got more mean. And if someone misses the point of the invitation, you know, or if somebody misses my invitation, I, oh, well, they didn't want to come. No big deal. I'll go to somebody else. They weren't that important. Well, that's not God's heart. See, God's heart is not that way. God's heart is he wants everyone to be there. He wants everybody at the banquet. He wants everybody to, to be a part. He's prepared something great for them, and he wants them to experience it. And so 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10 says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. The parable of the wedding banquet is communicating the same lesson as Peter was in those verses. God is patient. God has incredible patience for people, not wanting any of them to be destroyed. He doesn't want anybody to, to spend an eternity separated from him. He wants no one to experience that, no one. There's a reason why he sent Jesus. There's a reason why we celebrate communion because God said, look, I've got a solution to the problem. I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to send my own son that he would die for your sin. And it makes no sense, but, but that's exactly what Jesus came here for. He came here to take the, the penalty for my sin upon himself so that I could be forgiven. That's God's heart. That's his, well, his love and his patience. But often, we're too busy, we're too smart, we're too good. Like, I mean, I'm not a bad person. I don't need, I don't need Jesus. I'm, I'm good enough. As reasons not to follow Jesus. And the same excuses were employed by the guests that were invited and were still used today. So what does God expect of us? What does he expect us to do if people reject our invitations? Because sometimes we're the person giving the invitation. See, God gives an invitation. He's given an invitation to, to the world. And they reject it. We, we give invitations to people. We, we invite them to come or we, we want them to experience Jesus. And what do we do? Well, I think we look at God's pattern. Don't give up easily. I mean, don't give up easily. The, the king in Jesus' parable sends multiple invitations. And it takes a while for him to, to, to give up on the people. Like he kept trying to get them to come to the banquet even though they refused. And some said they were too busy. But we have people in our lives that we're trying to help understand who Jesus is and to follow him. Don't give up easily. Don't give up quickly. 
The, the second thought is it, it, that I think we can learn here from this parable is that we should keep inviting. Keep inviting until it's too late. Keep inviting and showing kindness. That's the whole concept of 30-30-30. Be praying for people. Be praying for people that you, that you just are in your life that, that, that Lord, these are people that, that they're in my life. I'm, I'm assuming that you want me to have an impact on them. Lord, I'm praying for them. And then serve them. And then invite them. And, and if it's more than 90 days, more than 90 days, it doesn't matter. It's just an idea for us to be more aware of the people around us to be praying. That God wants to use our lives to impact them. And the third one is invite others. And I realize that, you know, it's about invitation. But don't limit yourself on who you can invite or who you will invite. The church should be, shouldn't be limited to one race, one social strata, one anything. The church must be a reflection of the culture that's around us. Everyone is invited. Everyone should be given an invitation. Jesus tells this parable as, as basically judgment on the nation of Israel, the leadership of Israel. But it's applicable to us as well. We must make sure that we respond to God's invitation to be part of His family. If you're new to this whole idea of Christianity, the first step is following Jesus. Understanding that Jesus died for our sins. And he's giving us an invitation to come to the banquet. The only requirement for admission is to follow Jesus. It's not to be a better person than you were a day ago. It's to follow Jesus. Now, he'll make you a better person than you were a day ago. He, he's going to help you be transformed to become more like him. But it's to start with following Christ. Now is where we get to the part where it gets like you start to read things and you go, what did he say? Because when you get here... Finally, there's guests at the wedding feast. People have finally come. And, you know, finally going to get here. We find it in verse 11. But when the king came to... Oh, yeah. There's already people there. So here it is. But when he, the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet, throw him out into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Look, when, when, when he invited all these people, he sends people back out. He's like, go out to the street corners. Go out and get the people. Just invite anyone, everyone you can find. Just invite everybody. And so verse 10 says, so the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. I mean, so here it is. It's full of guests. I mean, just, and they're just people from all walks of life. They're all there. But this is the confusing moment. Can you imagine, just with me for just a moment, this room is filled with people for a feast. Filled with people. The king walks in to see who's come. Culture would be... The king is going to come after the people probably sat down. So we're seated around tables. And, and the king walks in and, and looks around the room and spots one person out of the multitude that are in the room who doesn't have the right clothes on. Now that doesn't seem right. right? I mean, it seems weird. I mean, why would, why, would there, why, why would there be a special thing 
that this person is aware. Here's the deal. See, we don't know exactly how this worked in the culture at the time, but we know this. The people were either given clothes or some kind of indicator that they were invited guests. Somehow they were signifying that they were to be there. This one person is in there and either chooses not to put on the clothes or not to put on the thing. He chooses not to do it because he would have been given opportunity. See, if, if he's not given opportunity, we're like, that's random and wrong, and that, that we'd be mad. But he's given the opportunity because everyone's given the opportunity. Everyone's given the opportunity to show up and either just clean clothes and, and some kind of indicator that, that they were invited. And remember, these people were just brought in from everywhere. These aren't even the original invited guests. But it was normal that there be some kind of indication. The king asks him a question. It walks over to him and evidently has a conversation to him. And says, friend, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. He had no reply. He had no ability to speak. He, he didn't have an answer. The decision to follow Jesus isn't just something we add into our lives. It needs to be, become the driving focus of who we are. Following Christ needs to be the most important thing. It needs to be the thing that drives us. We, we aren't just to add a new compartment for Christ into our already filled lives. Like we don't just go, okay, I've got golf and I've got work and I've got family, I've got fishing, whatever, you know, all those things. We got these things, right? We, we, got, we got all these things that we and we just don't create another compartment for Jesus. See, it's, it's not that. See, Jesus needs to become the origination point for everything of our life. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. You might think there's something wrong with golf, but I don't think so. so if the origination point is Christ, golf, work, family, fishing, whatever, fits in its right location. As long as Jesus is the origination point, as long as Jesus is the, is the starting point, Everything else of our lives should be defined by our relationship with Christ. And look, this is a lifelong process. It's not a one-time event. There, there are things that will be competing for our desire to follow Jesus forever. I mean, it, forever. Because then Jesus ends with another one-liner that we go, what did he say? For many are called, but few are chosen. Thank you, Jesus. Because we're not sure what that means. And probably what it means is that everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. But few are chosen. And I don't mean because we've not been picked. It's not like Jesus invites us all to the banquet and he's like, one, Sorry. Two. Oh, sorry. That's not his selection process. Everyone's invited. And then the choice is ours whether they put on the wedding clothes or not. The choice is ours as to whether we are prepared. And how does that preparation happen? It's by surrendering our lives to Jesus. It's by surrendering our life to him. 
It's by saying, okay. See, there, there's nothing about this that's a works mentality. There's nothing about this that says, oh, we got to do the right thing in order to... And, and the point of the wedding clothes had nothing to do with wearing the right stuff. It was about accepting the right person. It was about accepting... See, see here Jesus is telling this parable. And he's looking at the people that are about to put him to death and on trial. And he says, you got a choice. You can respond or you cannot. You can decide to follow or you... See, it's just like this king. He is king's son's banquet. And man, the king sent all these... And you killed them. And, and he's telling that specifically to, to the crowd that's gathered. He did it with every one of... There's about three of these right in a row that he tells those, those parables to, to drive a point home to each of those different groups that he's talking to. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, the teachers of the law. He, he, he specifically is, is you know, speaking to each one of them. But he also speaks to us and says, will you put me first in your life? Will you surrender everything else? Look, we know this. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. We are made right with God through Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do. We just call on his name to say, Lord, I want to follow you. Just There's nothing we can do to earn it. But once we call on him, once we decide to follow him, we want to follow him. Look, following Jesus isn't about doing all the right things. It isn't about going to church. We should do that. It isn't about, uh, you know, doing certain things. Even though we should do certain things. It's about knowing him. It's about starting there and allowing Jesus to change us because of following Christ and doing things he wants us to do. Peter wrote this in 2 Peter chapter 1. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are being short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. And God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, it just so happens that verse 10 says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those who are called and chosen. Well, look, you're not earning it but you're showing that you're His by what you do. You're showing that you're His by how you're growing. You're showing you're His by what is developing in your life. The, the fruit of your life is what is going to, to, to show to other people that, that you are a follower of Jesus. See, Jesus knew that He could talk to those people gathered that day, the, the, the Pharisees, the leadership of Israel. He, he could talk to them because He knew the fruit of their lives. He saw exactly what was happening. He knew where they were. 
And all I'm saying is that we ought to see in our lives the fruit of what it means to follow Christ. He, he's going to help us in that. He's going to show us that. He's, a, he's going to develop those things in us. And it's going to be reflected in what people see. So that, that, that when you look at this passage of Scripture, and for many are called and few are chosen, poor guy with the gets thrown out in outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth, and you're thinking, Jesus, that's me. The reality is he was given the invitation. But he thought he could just kind of bring it in alongside of everything else and just live life just like he was. And sometimes we do that as well. So in our lives, I think we need to make sure that we, we are not adding Jesus into our life. We are surrendering our life to Jesus. And out of that will flow all these other things. And as Peter describes it, we will show that we really are among those God has called and chosen. Look, every person in the room has been given the invitation. Every person in our city should be given the invitation. Some will choose to follow, some may not. Bottom line is we just got to keep giving invitations. Just like the king in the parable did.